You are listening to the Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share heartfelt and inspirational messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself to God's unlimited blessings. Are you ready for a word from God? If you are, then let's say our favorite family prayer, shall we? Let's all come in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everybody raise your hand all over the place, wherever you are, and then say this with me. Today I receive all of God's love for me. Today I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today I open myself to God's Word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today I proclaim that I'm God's beloved. I'm God's servant. I'm God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible with you at home or wherever you are, feel free to lift it up and let's all sing the Word of God. Feel free to extend your hands over the screen. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thank you, Jesus, for your Word that is alive and active today. We are still in our series called Dawn of an Era. Can you say that with me? Dawn of an Era. That's right. And today we're on Talk 7. Here's our message title for today. This is just the talk title. And I promise you, you will be blessed by the title alone. Are you ready for this? Our title of our talk today is God Pusher. That's right. You are a God pusher. If somebody is beside you, nudge that person. I know that you may be in a distance, but try to nudge that person and say, you are a God pusher. That's right. We're taking this from the Gospel of Matthew, just like we have been doing so for the last few weeks. This is Talk 7, like I said. And we are in Chapter 4, and I'm going to read to you this beautiful, beautiful Scripture in verse 12. If you have your Bible, you can take the time. I'll give you the time to turn your pages. Verse 12, that headline says, the ministry of Jesus begins. It's fine if you don't have your Bible because we're going to read it together. It says here in verse 12, that when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. I'll tell you why this is going to be important in a moment. But it says that in verse 14, this fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah, that in the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea beyond the river Jordan, in Galilee where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has been shined. Let me just say a comment about this. I believe that this is what God is going to do today. That people who have been living in darkness, maybe you have confusion in your mind right now. Maybe you have, you have fear. Maybe you have doubt. That's called darkness. But I'm praying that as you encounter Jesus today, you will see a great light. Amen. And verse 17 says that from then on, Jesus began to preach saying, Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Can you say that? For the kingdom of heaven is near. 
And then in verse 18, we continue. It says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them and said, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Now a little farther up the shore, he saw two older brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them out at once to come to. Verse 22, they immediately, everybody say immediately. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Here's my one big big message that I want to preach to you today, all right? This is the message I want you to remember for the entire week. I want you to know that you are God's face. That's right, you. I'm talking to you. You are God's face. Let's pray. You can close your eyes, bow down your heads, and just feel God's presence in the place that you are in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment in time where we get to experience your glory amidst all the fear and uncertainty amidst all the panic Lord we rise above this panic and we choose to focus on you because we know that when we focus on you when we seek you we know that everything around our life Lord will just line up and bow down to the Lordship of King Jesus you are sovereign in this world Lord and we're praying Lord for every person who might be affected by this coronavirus we're praying for their healing we're praying Lord for 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 hope and encouragement and faith and joy and above all else love above everything Jesus thank you so much we're grateful for the air that we breathe for the life that we lead thank you so much we look forward to the message that you are going to speak to us in a personal and powerful way in Jesus name and all of God's people said Amen one more time let's all sing to the Lord thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path thank you Jesus thank you Jesus amen all right you can you can find a comfortable seat in your house and you can take your seat just like I will we're gonna have a good time together Praise the Lord. Anyway, our message for today is you are God's face. Can you say that again? You are God's face. Or rather say, I am God's face. Can you say that? I am God's face. That's right. And so we're going to break down this, this uh, piece of scripture. It's a, it's a very long piece of scripture from verse 12 all the way to verse 22. But I promise you, if you stick with me long enough, we're going to learn some things today. All right. So let's begin. In chapter 4, verse 12, it says that when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. All right? Before you can understand this piece of passage, I think I need to give you a little bit of geography. Is it okay if I give you a little bit of geography lesson? All right. So, the distance between Judea, where Jesus was, and Galilee is about, give or take, maybe about a four-hour bus ride. Okay? So it's a four-hour bus ride getting from Judea all the way to Galilee without any traffic. So you can imagine, they didn't have any vehicles yet. They didn't have any buses yet. So Jesus definitely had to walk. So my question is, why in the world would Jesus have to travel that far 
I don't know if it was maybe, let's, let's just say maybe a minimum of a day of walking. Why would Jesus have to travel that far from one place to another place? Was he training for, a, for an Ironman marathon? Was he, was he training for, for the Olympics? You know, no wonder Jesus had a six-pack because of all the walking he did. But here's the reason why Jesus had to travel that far. It was because there was a threat in his life. You got to remember that during this time, John the Baptist was already captured and he was already executed by King Herod. And so Jesus knew that if he stayed behind, if he stayed in that same place, he would suffer the same fate because he knew that the Romans would capture him and eventually get him killed. I want you to do this with me. Can you put your hand over your chest right now? Do you feel your heart beating? Is it beating? Is it pounding? Right? You know what that means? I'll give you one word. Purpose. The fact that your heart is still beating and you're still alive, it means you still have purpose. Hallelujah. It means that you still have a God purpose, a divine appointment, a divine assignment. In other words, may mission ka pa. Kaya hindi ka pa ni Lord. You still have a purpose in this world. That's right. That, that might encourage some of you here today. Let's continue to read. It says in verse 13, He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Quick background information on this, alright? Nazareth was the place where Jesus was born. For 30 years, He stayed in this place. Okay? It's a very small village. It's, it's in Galilee, by the way. In Capernaum, it's a little bit bigger. It's a fishing village. But this is where Peter was born. This is where Peter lived. And eventually, this, is, this would be the place where Jesus would set up his headquarters for his ministry. I'll tell you why this is important. But these areas are all in Galilee. Alright? In Galilee. Make sure you understand that. Verse 14 says, This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah saying, In the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the river Jordan, in Galilee, just like what I said, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. You know, I love what verse 14 says. It says, This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah stands to reason that everything that Jesus was doing and every place that He was going to was a fulfillment of what God had already spoken. In other words, Jesus, it was not an accident that Jesus was going through these places and going through the motions. It was a fulfillment of what God already spoke. All because, listen to this, He was sensitive to the Spirit. That's right. Jesus was sensitive to the Spirit. Let me ask you this question. Are you a sensitive person? Right? Are you a sensitive person? You know, you know right now, we're very sensitive to our surroundings. May humaching lang sa likod mo. Natakot ka na, praning ka na, naligo ka na ng alcohol. Some of you, may umubo lang sa katabi mo, takbo ka na sa ibang kwarto. We're very sensitive to our surroundings right now. And, and that's the kind of sensitivity that you should also have with the Holy Spirit. The, the spirit that I'm talking about is not the spirit of the glass, but I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, alright? Did you know that the Holy Spirit is alive in your life right now? But some of you might be asking, but Brother Oni, how come I don't feel it? Mm, it's because maybe you're not listening to it. Until you learn how to listen and acknowledge the Holy Spirit, that's the only time that it will become active in your life. 
You got to learn how to be sensitive to the Spirit and be sensitive to the Spirit's timing. Okay? Let me tell you a story about my friend. I asked my friend yesterday, his name is Manny, if I could share this, and he, he said yes. You see, Manny, a long time ago, he was traveling to the U.S. to attend a church conference for a month, okay? He was sitting in the church, uh, not, not the church, sorry. He was sitting in the airport lobby waiting for the flight to be boarded when all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, this elder woman just started screaming on top of her lungs, screaming at the staff, screaming at the personnel. She was so mad because she wanted them to prioritize her because she was a senior citizen. And so my friend Manny, the only thing he could think in his heart was he said, Lord, my prayer is that you will not let that woman sit in the same row as mine. That's a very simple prayer, you know, very personal prayer. And so eventually they had to board. While he was boarding in the plane, he got to his seat. He was going to sit in the, in the window seat. And as he was putting his things, his baggage on the overhead compartment, he noticed that the peripheral view that the woman who was shouting previously was right behind him. And so, you know, he was afraid that she was going to shout at him. So he, he made space. But for some reason, the woman did not cross. Only to realize that that woman was actually sitting right next to him. She was assigned in that seat right beside him. So, you know, he had enough decency in his heart. And he helped her put her stuff in the overhead compartment. And, you know, that was a good deed. So he got to his seat in the window aisle. He brought out his book. And he, 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 he plugged in his earphones, you know, because he, he had no plans of talking to this woman. But then from out of nowhere, he felt a little nudge from the Holy Spirit, you know, a slight tap. This guy is one of the most sensitive persons. You know, he feels the prompting of the Spirit every single time. And so he felt that the Spirit was prompting him to share the gospel to this woman that, that was right beside him. But, you know, he was so comfortable. He was like, Lord, kakaupo ko pa lang. Pwede bang basahin ko muna to? Pwede bang wag na muna? Because I'm here to travel. I want my peace. And so, but the Spirit kept on nudging him and tapping him. And so eventually he said, okay, fine, Lord, you win. So he puts down his book, takes off his earphones, and then he talks to the woman. You know, and they, they start off great, good conversation. They start talking about their life and, you know, you know casual chit-chat. And then the, wife's, the, 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 the woman said, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually retired already. I've had enough investments in my life to have a comfortable life here on, here on earth. I can be doing nothing and I'd be comfortable here on earth. And my friend, because he's so witty and he's so used to, to sharing the gospel to people, he knew that it was an opening. So you know what he said? You can learn from this. He said, you might have a good life here on earth already, but what about your life in heaven? What about your afterlife? And, the, and so he began sharing about Jesus and, and how Jesus loves her so much and how Jesus died for her sins. And then at the end of that conversation, he asked the most crucial question. He says, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And whatever smile that was in that woman's face just disappeared right in that moment. And she says, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. I, I'm fine. I'm fine on my own. And, and you know, my friend... He was already rejected. He was already, uh, you know, but he couldn't stop because he had the momentum. And so he just says, it's okay, but is it okay if I can just pray for you? And you know what that woman said? She says, you know, I can pray on my own. So my friend, he didn't know what to say. So you know what he did? He just prayed anyway. He just prayed for the woman, even if he was the only one praying. <laughs> that was so awkward at that time. But here's the best part. The best part is while all of this was happening, the plane hadn't even taken off yet. 
can you imagine for 12 whole hours he had to sit in that in that little space in that little corner pretending that he was okay but meanwhile he didn't want to talk to this woman he didn't want to go to the bathroom because he was so ashamed that she rejected him but that's not how the story ends because i need you to know that just because you were rejected it doesn't mean that the story has ended amen there's a, there's a good story and sometimes you can be rejected in moments in your life but in the end, God is going to affirm you. That's a promise. So here's how it ends. He lands in the US and then he goes to his airport. I mean, not airport. He goes to his hotel. Never sees that woman again. He goes to the hotel and again, from out of nowhere, he feels the Holy Spirit nudging him and tapping him asking him to share the gospel to a guy who was sitting in a corner in that hotel. And he's like, Lord, napahiya na ako today. Hindi ba pwedeng bukas na lang? Pwede naman, makikita ko naman to the whole, the whole month because they were gonna attend the same conference. And so, you know, the Spirit just kept on nudging him again to share the gospel. So, you know what he did? Because he's obedient and he's very sensitive, he approaches this guy, sits down with the guy, and you know, to his surprise, the guy just starts opening up opening up his life and his problems and his issues. At the end of that conversation, you know what happened? He accepted Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. Beautiful thing. If you're going to be doing big things for God in your life, you need to be sensitive to the Spirit. You need to be sensitive to where the Spirit is going to lead you and direct you and guide you. That's what Jesus did. The reason why Jesus did what He did and where He was at this point in His life was because He was being sensitive to where the Spirit was guiding Him where the Spirit is leading him. And the promise is, is, is that even if you encounter rejection at the end of it all, God is going to affirm you and He's going to reward you. Do you believe that? Amen. Alright, and so we are here now. Matthew continues saying in verse 17, he says, From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. For the kingdom of heaven is near. You know, when you think about and study the ministry of Jesus, he would always seem to repeat the word kingdom again and again. Like, you know, kingdom of heaven this, kingdom of heaven that. It, it seemed that the kingdom was a sellable word in his vocabulary. So much so that the overarching theme of the ministry of Jesus revolved around the kingdom. Everything revolved around this word kingdom. Everything that he did, everything that he taught. In fact, you know, in the gospel of Matthew alone, in just one gospel, Jesus mentions the word kingdom 50 times, five zero. You mention my name more than, more than two times. You have my full attention. So if Jesus is mentioning kingdom more than 50 times, it must be very important. Do you agree? In fact, let me give you some famous examples in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus mentions the word kingdom. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, He says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. That's just one example. A few chapters later in Matthew chapter 10, verse, 10, verse 7, Jesus would say to His disciples to preach the same exact message, saying, Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. So again, that repetitive word, kingdom of heaven. In fact, most of His parables, if you study the Bible, were about the kingdom. Jesus says the, the kingdom is like a hidden treasure, or like a mustard seed, or like yeast, or like a pearl, and on and on and on. In fact, you know the passage that we just read right now? He was actually inaugurating 
his kingdom in this place, Zebulun and Naphtali, which is in Galilee. Now, why is this important? Because you got to know that Galilee was not the favored place during that time. People thought that Jesus would build his kingdom in Jerusalem. But instead, what did he do? He chose Zebulun and Naphtali. These were enemy territories. Now, here's why. And this is our theory. It's because it was a direct message that the kingdom of God is not just for the rich and famous, but it's also for the poor and marginalized. It's also for the, for the outcasts. It's also for the rejects. It's also for the unpopular. It's also for the uncommon. You know, it's also for the small people who need God. And so if you're feeling a little bit small, feeling a little bit rejected today, take heart because the kingdom of God is for you. God wants to build His throne in your life. Amen. That's beautiful news. But you know, sadly, while we see that Jesus was all about the kingdom, you know, today we don't really know the full measure and the full meaning of kingdom. For some people, kingdom is a zombie apocalypse show that you watch in Netflix. Okay? But that's not a suggestion for you to change the channel. Stick with me. I promise you that this is going to be good. Let me give you this analogy, all right? My wife's favorite place in our home is the kitchen. How many of you... You, you would agree that your favorite place is in the kitchen. Just a quick raise of hands, all right? That's my, that's my wife's favorite place at home. In the kitchen, she is the queen. That's her territory. That's her turf. In fact, if I have to cook something in the kitchen, she will always have a say on what I should cook, how I should cook it, what tools I should use. And you know, I'm fine by it. Because I understand that in that place, she's the queen. That's the place where everything she can impose on me. Okay? You know what my, my, my territory in our home is? It's that small little wobbly chair in the dining table. That's right. I use the word wobbly because that chair wobbles so much. It's almost like a rocking chair. But you know, in that seat, where if I'm sitting there, I am untouchable. I am the king of that little chair. You know, I am immovable until at least my wife tells me to wash the dishes and then, you know, I have to obey. But so those two little places, the kitchen, my wife is the queen, that small chair, I am the king. Everything else in our house, my son is the king. He's like the little prince in that home. You know, he dictates everything. But here's why I'm sharing this. This is the definition of what kingdom is. Kingdom is the place where God's will is followed. That's right. Kingdom is any place where God's will is followed. So, if you're following God's will in your finances, that's His kingdom. If you're following God's will in your relationship, in that, that means that's His kingdom. If you're following God's will in your health, it means it's His kingdom. Kingdom is any space where God's will is followed. So, you know, if we take this analogy and we flip it around, it's logical to think that any place where God's will is not followed is not His kingdom. And you know, this is the reason why we encounter so many issues and so many messes and some things are out of control in our life. Why? Because maybe you're not following God's will in that area of your life. You need God to reign over that specific area of your life if you want Him to call it His kingdom. Alright, are we clear on this point? Alright, wonderful. Let's move on. Here's something very interesting, alright? If you flip the Bible all the way to the first book, which is Genesis, you will find the creation story. Story of Adam and Eve. How many of you know this story? You were taught this story when you were young, right? The story of creation, how God created the world in the beginning, right? But here's one thing you don't know. 
One thing you don't know was that during this time, during the ancient times, this was not the only creation story that was being told. In fact, in the surrounding cities of Israel, other creation stories were being told. But there's a big difference. Because in the stories of other nations and other cities, not the one in, in Genesis, the difference is that God's image to other people was always represented as a king. God would always be represented in the form of a king. That's why Genesis is so unique because Genesis says this in verse 26. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. This is God saying, all right? Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So think about it. Every person, every face represented God. Not just the king, but even poor people, even sick people, even sinners bore the image of God so that every person was an image bearer of God. In fact, moving even, moving even further in verse 28, it says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. And here's a word, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that move along the ground. You know, God's kingdom is so good. Everybody say so good. God's kingdom is so good that He doesn't want slaves. In fact, He just wants sons and daughters. He wants partners. In fact, Galatians chapter 4 verse 7 says this. Listen to this. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are His child, God has made you His heir. God doesn't want slaves. He wants sons and he wants daughters to co-rule with him, to co-partner with him, to be a co-heir in this kingdom that he's building. Now, my question for you today is, as a representative of Jesus, are you representing him well? Or are you representing him poorly? When, G when people encounter you, do they encounter the love of God? Do they encounter the affection of God? Or do they, enc do they encounter the aggression of God? Think about that for a moment, all right? Something for you to ponder on. You are God's representation in this world. You are God's face. Say that one more time. You are God's face. Amen. Let's go again to the scripture. It says here, you know, Israel was the place where, where people thought that Jesus would build his kingdom, where God would build his kingdom. But you know what happened? God didn't do it. Why? Because instead of the Israelites following God, they disobeyed God and they rebelled against God. And so God needed a new representative. So enter into the picture now, Jesus. Jesus who would reboot and restart the new Israel. And the first thing that Jesus needed to do was to look for 12 apostles representing the 12 tribes of Israel. That's right. But think about this, all right? This, is, this, this, gets, this gets very interesting. For 30 years, Jesus was walking in this planet. What was he doing? Was he performing miracles? No. No, he was just traveling, experiencing, living life. He wasn't showing the power of God or, or the, the, the fruit of the Spirit yet. No, he, he, was, he wasn't doing anything miraculous. But before the public ministry of Jesus started, you know what he did? The very first thing on top of his list was to look for kingdom representatives. That's right. The first thing he did was to look for 12 people who would walk and follow him. In fact, let me read it to you. It says in verse 18, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. But Jesus called out to them and said, Come, follow me, 
and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed Him. Everybody say, at once. I believe that's how you, you need to follow God. It needs to be at once. When God calls, you come running. Right? Don't, don't take time. Don't take time to think about it. When God calls, you come running. And then it says in verse 21, A little farther up the shore, he saw two older brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately, again that word, immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. I wonder, you know, some people give a hard time to these guys, but I wonder, would you have the same faith and the same trust and the same quickness that when God calls you for a specific task, would you come running? Right, just a food for thought. But let, let's let's look at these four guys. Four four guys that Jesus calls first and foremost. I don't know how Jesus picked his team, but you know that's not how I would pick my team. In a basketball game, you would not choose the vertically challenged people to be your teammates, right? No, you would choose the people who 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 are very tall, who are so athletic, who think you who look like they could dunk the ball, right? But that's not what Jesus did. Instead, Jesus chose. People who, four guys who were untrained, uneducated, unrefined, fishermen. They were not teachers. They were not masters. They, they were not popular. They had no influence. And yet Jesus chose them. You know, when you look at them, everything in their life disqualified them from the task that God was going to do. But why did Jesus choose them? Here's what I think. It's because God has the ability to qualify the unqualified. God has the ability to qualified the disqualified you know you can be the most unqualified person sitting in this room the most unpopular person sitting in this room you could be the person that people voted as the least to succeed in the future you could be the person who has had maybe a terrible past a horrible past but when God puts his hand over your life and says you will do greater things you better believe that he's going to equip you for the task amen, amen. because here's the truth when God sends you on a mission, He will supply you with the ammunition. That's right. That's what Jesus did. Jesus equipped, empowered, and anointed these 12 disciples to go and be His representatives in this world. God is going to anoint you. He wants to empower you. That's beautiful. And, and, and God doesn't just want to enslave you, just like what Galatians says. He wants to empower you. He wants to use you as His representative. I want you to believe that with all your heart. But here's how I want to end, alright? I want to end this way. I just love how, how Jesus in Matthew taught us how to pray. In Matthew, in the book of Matthew, Jesus says this, Your kingdom come. Again, that word. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me say that again. Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth and as it is in heaven. Listen to me. You know, your faith should always be moving forward, right? Your faith should always be looking forward. But here's the thing. Your faith should not be looking forward to one day that you get out of this place. 
Yes, it's good to look forward to heaven. Yes, it's good to look forward to that time that you are with your creator. Yes, it's good to look forward to the time when you're in that place of eternal peace. But here's the thing. While you still have breath in your lungs, while you still have muscle in your bones, don't just look forward to the day that you get out of here, but look forward to what God is going to do in your life before you leave. That's right. While you're still here, be a representative of God. You are God's face. And while you are here, do what you need to do and expand God's kingdom. Amen? That's what you need to do. That's our word for today. But it doesn't end here because somebody else is going to preach a beautiful word and he's going to take this message home with a beautiful story. All right? So I want you to tune in with all your attention to the screen as Brother Bo gives you a beautiful message. Hi everybody, just I'm so happy to be able to quote-unquote meet each other online. You know, thank God for technology. We are physically separated from each other, right? Physical separation, many miles from away from each other, but spiritually we're one. Spiritually, we are right now meeting in the throne room of God, and God is here. And wherever you are now, your spirit and, and, and my spirit and, and, uh, and the hearts and spirit of everyone were in one place, a spiritual place. And there we receive his blessing. We receive his love. Audie, thank you for that powerful word. And, and, and thank you for your leadership. To all the servants who make this possible, thank you, thank you so much. People ask me this question. Uh, I'm not yet in my main talk, but I just... I'm just trying to just greet you today. And, you know, it's sad that we can't meet each other face to face. But you know what? This is necessary. The social distancing is necessary. Some people say, but, you know, I'm, I'm strong. I mean, you know, if I get the virus, I can do it, you know, because 80% they say of people, you know, it's like a common cold for them. And I'm strong. But you see, you can be a carrier. And you don't want that because there are people who can't handle the virus. And, and these are the older people and those with pre-existing sickness and conditions. So we just want to be safe. We want you to be safe. And that's why we're meeting online. Okay? Now, let me go to the main message that Audie has been preaching a while ago. Just want to connect it and kind of like bring it to one, one whole, one summary. Are you ready? Um, I want to tell you about a new ministry that I have. No, I did not choose it. It just fell on my lap. Would you want to know what that ministry, that new ministry is? Greeting people on their birthday with video. I'm not kidding. I receive hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of requests from all over. It's like wild. And, and, and it's like, you know, Brother Bo, my, my mother's birthday, you know, can you send a video greeting? My, my husband, my son, my daughter, believe me. I mean, I, I try to say yes to as much as I can because I know it's important to them. And, and I really want to do it. You know, I want to send my love. But, yeah, I mean, if, if, if I'll do, if I'll say yes to all of that, I won't be able to do anything else. I won't be able to write books. I won't be able to preach. <laughs> Exaggeration, but, but it's crazy. But anyway, I love doing it. And, but the request comes in the same form. The request goes this way. Brother Bo, my mom's birthday is coming. We're going to have a big birthday party. Please come. But we know you're busy. 
And if you can't come, please send a video greeting. And we're going to show it in the party. And when we do, it's as if you are there. The reason why I share you that story is because of this. You are God's video. He has sent you to the world. It's true. That video that I sent to that family, I'm not that video. Of course. But in another sense, I am that video. That when they watch that video, they say, Ah, Bo is greeting. Bo is sending his love. My dear friend, you are God's video. He has sent you to the world, to your family, to the people that you meet. You know, when, when, when people see you, they should be able to say, that's who God is. I know, it's like, what? Yes, it's like that heavy load on my shoulder. Absolutely. That, that when people see you and hear you and experience you, they should see, hear, and experience God. And they'll say, I now have an idea of how loving God is. I'm going to have, I have an idea of how, of how patient God is. I have an idea of how selfless God is because of you. Wow. On our own, we can't do it. And that's why we're more dependent on God than ever. And say, Lord, do your miracle because I can't be your face. But with your power, with your spirit, I can. And just give yourself more to him and love him and serve him forever. I will see you next Sunday. Audi, take over. right now to respond to this message that we received today and we're going to come into worship but I hope that this message has taken root in that place in your in your heart where you know no no enemy can uproot it nothing can remove it let's just ask God to water this seed that has been planted in our hearts today so that it will grow a bountiful harvest for weeks and for months that will sustain us that will energize us but let's just come into prayer today can bow down your heads you can stand up you can lift your hands just be comfortable in that place and just inhale God's presence right now breathe in his love breathe in his grace father we come before you with abandoned hearts with humble hearts thanking you for this moment the truth is, Lord, sometimes we don't see ourselves as a good representation in this world. Sometimes we don't fully depict and reflect your goodness, your generosity, your mercy. But we pray that while we stand here, Lord, your mercy is flowing in our life and we're receiving it so that we can have this brand new beginning. We're praying for better things, Lord, in our nation in our, and in this world praying for healing we're praying for clarity we're praying for provision we're praying for breakthroughs and milestones but we're praying above all Lord that you become the center of our life that you become the center of this galaxy you become the center of this universe you become the center of each and every one of us Lord you are sovereign above it all 
You are the God of everything. You are Lord over everything. And we're just proclaiming this today, Lord, that as we represent you, we're representing a king. We're representing a redeemer. We're representing a savior. We just extend our hands, Lord, and pray for every person who might be suffering from this virus, who might be lonely, who might be afraid, who might be doubtful, who might be depressed. And we're saying, Lord, you are the God of this nation. You're the God of our city. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. For more messages like these, visit lightfam.com and click on Feast Teachings.